Hi, I'm Haley. And I'm Becky. And this is How to Not Get Killed. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? I have nothing to say. <laughs> we always run out of the good, the good stuff. I know, I know. We're just. This is what happens when we record back to back. We're back here in the same room. Mm-hmm. No yeah. spiders this time. Oh God, that was traumatic. Yeah, it was traumatic. That's why I went to the bathroom immediately after. <laughs> I was just like, something happened. <laughs> I gotta clear this room out. I'm still like waiting for something to pop out of me, and there's gonna be like a spider in my face. <laughs> Surprise! I'm back. <laughs> I have a twin. <laughs> 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 it's always the twist it's always it's that's always like the like go-to plot twist yeah right it's a bit mm, it's a bit overdone it's a bit overdone <laughs> <laughs> i just watched this movie on netflix where they like i don't want to like say what movie it is because then it's just like well they did that but it was like n- kind of new i think it came out in like 2019 or something what movie is it <laughs> um i want to know if i, I just... don't even remember what it's called now oh. shoot it was um it was with Henry Cavill and mm. Alexandra Daddario. Okay. Um, and it's like a murder mystery thing. Oh, that sounds good. It was pretty good. But then like they the pulled plot twist with the twin. In okay. Like, Damn oh, it. well, it wasn't bad, but like. Yeah. It's just like the just oldest like, oh, trick in the book. That's what it is then? Okay. <laughs> oh, we're going that route? You just couldn't have got any more creative than that. No. Then. Okay. <laughs> All the creative ideas are done. <laughs> like nothing's funny, original anymore. <laughs> when you're like dating a twin, so you can just be like, it was the twin that did it. <laughs> oh, you know what? I always forget about that. That's, that's very true. <laughs> yeah. Well, Luke and I were just joking the other day about how he, he was more joking about how he's like, because he's such a homebody. Yeah. And he like never goes out anywhere ever, except for like when he goes to work and that's it. Yeah. Um, and he was like, imagine if like one of your friends was like, last weekend i saw luke on like the middle of the dance floor with like some girl like all drunk at a bar or whatever and like i'd be like no you didn't yeah no (laughs) that was the twin (laughs) because he was here with me he never leaves the house yeah and then he came in and said that he's like i also have a twin and i was like oh yeah wouldn't have been your twin either yeah because they're (laughs) both the same (laughs) but it would just be like such a good story oh yeah oh it would be. I think I'm just going to start telling people I have a twin so that whenever they're like, Becky, I saw you doing this. I'd be like, that was my twin. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah. She's always out causing mischief. <laughs> Probably gives you like a reason to like ignore people as well. I know like I had a grade seven teacher who was a, a twin. I, I think they were identical twins. They looked a lot alike. And mm. she was she was like, if you, go, if you guys ever see me out and like you wave at me or say hi to me or something and I give you like a weird look, that's not me. That's my twin. I have a twin. And she just doesn't know who you are. She's not being rude. She just doesn't know who you are. (laughs) I like, I used to do this thing. It's not, it's not about having a twin, but back, back in the day when I first went to college, obviously I was taking the bus because I didn't have a car yet. So I did this thing where like I'd sit on the bus and like, even if I was wearing my contacts, I would just like pretend to not see people. And then if they were like, Hey, like I saw you this morning, I waved at you. I was like, oh my God, I wasn't wearing my glasses. I'm so sorry. Like I couldn't see anything. <laughs> and it worked like 99% of the time. That's amazing. I did it to everybody. I was so rude. Oh, I don't wear glasses. I wish I could do that. Just, just do it. Just be like, oh, I got to get my eyes checked. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get my eyes checked. First, was like, I was sitting right in front of you. <laughs> I was talking into your face. Shouldn't be allowed to drive. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you? Like me, I actually legally can't drive without my glasses. <laughs> 
I have, like, I have like the little X on my thing. Oh, is that what you get? Yeah, you get an X license? on your thing. So like when, if, if I ever get pulled over, knock on wood. When? <laughs> when. <laughs> I like, I'm like, if I'm so great. <laughs> but like if, oh, I just spit everywhere. That was awful. Oh, whatever. You've <laughs> already had COVID. I know. So much is happening. <laughs> But yeah, if I get pulled over, like, I feel like they usually, like, look. And if I'm, like, wearing my contacts, you can, like, see them lean in a little bit. Like, she, she better be wearing something. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, like, that's true about contacts. I mean, if you look really closely. You can see them, for you sure. You can see them, right? Yeah, there's a little line. But, like, I, and even what, what, still, how, like, I feel like if I was a cop, though, I, like, I wouldn't want to get that i don't know i just i wouldn't want to get that far into someone's personal space but also too i feel like no cops ever gonna be like oh take out your contact and prove it <laughs> show <'Cause>... me the contact <laughs> <laughs> and then put it back in on the side of the yeah. highway <laughs> also too like if you're out driving and you like don't have your glasses or your contact and, and you've been pulled over like i think take take a fucking hint and go home <laughs> like <laughs> Like, don't try and, like, evade the police at that point. Be like, I swear I'm wearing my contacts. Like, maybe just don't be driving. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. This is me giving advice to myself for when I go out (laughs) on my rampages with zero vision assistance. (laughs) Becky. I don't do that. I know you don't do that. (laughs) I don't do that. like, cut the shit. (laughs) Cut the shit. (laughs) I don't do that. (laughs) You don't endanger the lives of other people. No. No, I'm a really good driver. You are. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, you must always have your contacts in or your glasses on because you're (laughs) a really good driver. Or I'm just that good. (laughs) (laughs) I drive with my eyes closed. I feel like with the safety features that my car has with like the bumpers and the cruise control and everything like the distance pacing does it have like that lane assist or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. that's the bumpers oh okay and i call them the bumpers because <laughs> i didn't know like, what that was i was like do you drive a go-kart yeah well it's it's like lane bumpers uh, okay it's more fun than saying lane assist so okay. try it out trust me saying bumpers is way more fun fair enough maybe when i get it in a vehicle i'll yeah. call it that you should get it it's it's fun because i did i mean i don't want to get like sued it's but fun I, because you just don't have to drive <laughs> basically like i did try when we first got the car i was driving it was like no one was around like i didn't try this on like busy traffic i was on the highway and i'd like put on the bumpers and i put on the distance pacing cruise control which is incredible Mm -hmm. and i i closed my eyes for a couple seconds and it was smooth sailing oh my gosh but what it does you're a daredevil i know i know i really am adrenaline junkie over here (laughs) (laughs) but what it does do is the like steering wheel if it recognizes you're not holding on like either tight enough or like just holding on in general it will beep at you and it'll turn off the features forcing you to drive interesting so you can't really just fall asleep well no i would hope not i would i mean like you could you would die though (laughs) yeah so i don't know how we got on this i don't know what's happening it doesn't matter it's it's been (laughs) been a great it's been a great tangent All oh, right, well, we'll just oh. roll it right into our case now. I'm just going to get abducted by the sun here. <laughs> okay. Shining right, right in yeah. Becky's eyes. Yeah, that's and okay. she has her glasses on. I do. So. Yeah, it's like going to bounce off and shine into your <laughs> eyes. Okay. All right, well, this is the third installment third. of yeah. our Bleeding London series. Whoop, whoop. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get into another of London's London and, and area. This this particular offender um, operated in London and Guelph. Oh. Um, and uh, we're going to get into his crime spree. And this is the third, and I want to say last, that at least we'll be covering, like, known serial killer of this time that was actually, like, caught. Okay. The rest of uh, everything else that um, I've been researching with 
Michael Arntfield's book, Murder City, as well as The Forest City Killer, um, there is a lot of unsolved cases. Which is nuts. A lot. Um, Unsolved, like, cold cases, because a lot of these happened again, like, 30 or 40 years ago. Um, So... Yeah, so this is, I think, going to be the last, like, known one. Maybe not. There might be one other one. But as far as, like, a serial killer goes, mm-hmm. this is the last one that was, like, caught and whatever. Like, actually actually dealt with. Yeah. Um, and actually, like, has, like, a name. <laughs> properly, at least. Um. So, okay. Uh, Russell Maurice Johnson. Hello. Like, I'm not going to say all three of those names. No. The whole just time. Call him just call Russ. the first time. Russ. Rusty. <laughs> Um, he was born in 1947 in Guelph, Ontario, Canada. Okay. So for any of you who aren't from the area, Guelph is, how long does it take to get to Guelph? London, like an hour and 20 minutes? I feel like not even like, uh, yeah, uh, roughly. A little, between an hour, hour and a half east of London, yeah. like northeast Whatever that of direction London. Is kind of like towards, if you're going towards Toronto, it's mm-hmm. it's a bit like halfway. It's, it's sort of there. Thing. You'll yeah. find it. <laughs> So he was born in Guelph. He attended St. Joseph Elementary School and grow, grew up to be a large, extremely athletic man. Oh. He lived in Guelph until 1965 and then moved to London. Um, he, throughout his life, I guess, suffered from various mental health issues from an early age. And That's in, sad. Yeah. And in 1969, he actually voluntarily committed himself to the London Psychiatric Hospital hmm. for treatment for sexual deviancy. Okay. See, I think that's smart. Yeah. If you're like experiencing something that extreme. He yeah. knew that he was experiencing it, um, violent and intrusive like sexual thoughts. Okay. And he knew that that was not normal. Yeah. So he he was concerned and admitted himself, which <laughs> I think is pretty interesting. Not very many people do that. No. Um, so... Uh, yeah, so he was he was concerned. He basically said that he was having these thoughts and he was concerned he was going to act on those thoughts mm-hmm. and would lose control. Hmm. Um, but unfortunately, this was 1969 um, and he did spend some time in the facility and was diagnosed with a compulsive uh, as as a compulsive sexual deviant. But he was sort of like put on medication and then deemed rehabilitated and released. I, yeah i know i know but it's kind like of the like the guy's needing support he needs support and help him more yeah but. like not that medication isn't a part of that solution no, yeah, but, but it's not the only thing no i, I and feel like we'll it takes actually, like a multi-dimensional approach yeah we'll get into that a little bit later about like at the end i'll talk a bit about medication and stuff like that but no he i don't think he was really given much support no doesn't sound it like was it. just released like yeah just go on your take way take him he's fine oh um, so on the night of October 18th, 1973, mm-hmm. so this would be, I don't, it doesn't say how long he was in the psychiatric hospital for, but he admitted himself in 1969. Um, so this is for, about four years later. Okay. Um, let's just say, I don't know. I, I'm, he, I'm sure he was in there for like a few months. Yeah. Like at not, least some kind of long stint. Yeah. It wasn't like a, a couple of days, but yeah. So a few years later, in 1973, he entered the bedroom of 21-year-old Mary Hicks, um, who lived on Talbot Street in London. Hmm. Um, and she was living in an apartment on Talbot Street. I know a lot of the like, places on Talbot Street are like old houses that have been converted yeah. to like multi-level apartments and things like yeah. that. So it doesn't say 
where like what level it was on but it just said she was living in an apartment okay um when mary's roommate attempted to wake her up the next morning she realized that mary wasn't breathing um, mary had also been tucked in tight under the sheets and oh. her face had been partially covered by a pillow oh yeah pretty Strange. suspicious yeah weird well, you can't tuck yourself yeah, in, I was right? just going to say, you can't really tuck yourself in and then place a pillow over your head. I'd be like, well, something happened here. Yeah. Yeah. So, you either do one or the other. <laughs> no. No. I mean, yeah. I just... That's impossible. That's impossible. <laughs> if the I physics myself just in, doesn't match I would get up. tucked in. I would, do, I would do it myself if I could. I love being tucked in. Yeah. I know. Oh, you know what? <laughs> it's know. actually hilarious because <laughs> I literally just finished like telling Drew about how cute you were when Mike was tucking us in <laughs> yeah. and how you were like giggling and it was just like the cutest <laughs> thing. And then we were joking about how like when Mike would tuck me in, it was just like this long, like weird body. Uh, but then when he would tuck you in, it was just like this cute little petite little like small body. <laughs> and we were both like, he, 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 he. Yeah, he is the best. Yeah. And Mike's the best at tucking us in. Yeah. This is our, this is like our best friend's boyfriend. So husband, 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 sorry. husband. Yeah. She's going to get very angry at us. Oh, so we God. said boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> you have a husband. You don't have a husband. <laughs> at the time. Yes. At, he was still just her boyfriend just yeah. her boyfriend yeah so at the time so we're not wrong <laughs> <laughs> i am not wrong okay i refuse to be wrong <laughs> but um yeah back Moving then, i love being tucked in so you Who know we say at their place yeah full service oh i expect it now it's freaking awesome <laughs> he's gonna love that we were talking about him too <laughs> he's gonna message us <laughs> well unfortunately mike did not talk in mary hicks no so <laughs> no yeah he's not a killer <laughs> that we know of not even close <laughs> um so there was nothing in the bedroom or apartment or like on the body to suggest foul play and the autopsy results indicated that mary had accidentally suffocated mm. um they presumed from the pillow that was covering her face no. in combination with a complication from her prescription medication okay so okay i guess but like when they said the pillow was half covering her face, I was thinking, I'm like, you can't suffocate from that. No, it might be difficult to breathe, but I feel like it has to be like stuffed. Yeah. But I guess they're just assuming whatever medication she was on, it didn't say what, what it was, but that there was some sort of complication and then maybe the pillow making it difficult for her to breathe. Then all sure. that, that's what they okay, went with. Sure, sure. So it was all ruled as an accidental death and they was never investigated further. Hmm. Um, a little over a month later, on November 30th, 1973, 27-year-old Alice Ralston was found dead in her apartment in Guelph, Ontario. Hmm. There were no obvious signs of a struggle or trauma to the body, and from the autopsy, the coroner determined the cause of death to be hardened arteries. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like I've never heard that be used as like a cause of death. At least in the cases like I've, I'm sure it's been. Yeah, like in I the don't. World, but like I've never heard that. So interesting, specific. and I don't like. Obviously, I don't perform autopsies, so I like I don't know you the don't? Pro, like. I, I do like a few a day, <laughs> unofficial ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like really under the table, like, and I'm not very good at it. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Yeah. I just kind of start the pulling or the liver. I just start pulling things out. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know what the, the regular process is of doing an autopsy, yeah. but I guess the arteries are included, and they were like, oh. I think they're, everything's included, they're, usually. Pardon? I guess I'm just, like, know. thinking about, yeah, like, unless you, like, I don't know, like, don't opened know. up all the veins in the arteries. 
yeah, but I, I just know. didn't think that would be the first thing people would think to do. But I, I don't know. Maybe we just like need to do some more research on autopsies. Yeah, I guess so. But anyways, that's anyways. what it was determined as hardened arteries. Um, on March 4th, 1974. So this mm-hmm. is a, like a year and a half later. Um, and also it should be noted, this is one day after Judith Barksy's body was found in Strathroy, who was christian mcgee's victim oh okay so, for a second i was like who's judas yeah yeah, yeah. so this is happening in, like, like the same parallel like in parallel yeah yeah um at the same time really so on march 4th 1974 eleanor hartwick's body was found in her apartment on west lake street in london okay so just like the two victims before she was found tucked in appearing to be peacefully sleeping with nothing around the room or the apartment out of sorts. Uh, she still had a book in her hand that she likely fell asleep reading oh. or it looked like she fell asleep reading it. Um, Michael Arnfield suggests that like, and I think the police later determined that they felt like this might've been staged. Okay. Cause I was gonna um, be like, Oh no, that sucks. Like she's yeah, reading her book. Just and- like reading her book. And then, but when we f- like, kind of like we'll talk about it later like she couldn't have been reading a book during what happened but um it's just might be evidence of like escalation like playing with like the fantasy of the of the body right positioning and because the other ones were all tucked in like they're peacefully sleeping so this one looks like they're like fell asleep reading a book right so it could just be an uh, like evolving from that the autopsy determined eleanor's death to be accidental as well um, as she was on the exact same medication that Mary Hicks was on. Coincidence? Super coincidental. I think not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they just, yeah, by pure coincidence, they had to, or they were on the same medication. So it just, again, went unnoticed because whoever did the autopsy was like, oh, it was probably a similar complication. Yeah. And she suffocated in her sleep. Hmm, interesting. Um, Doris Brown had recently divorced her husband of 30 years and was living with her children in Guelph. So we're back to Guelph now on the morning of August 8th, 1974. So where were we before? Eleanor was March 4th, 1974. So now we're in August. That's a long cooling off period. Yeah. Well, the one before was like a year and a half. (laughs) And then he jumped to, you know, a few months. So, Yes, Doris Brown. Here we are. Um, So on the morning of August 8th, 1974, Doris was found in bed by one of her children. The blankets were tucked up under her chin. She had blood in her throat and her rectum. Oh, no. And the cause of death was determined to be pulmonary edema. Okay. Which is fluid in the lungs, apparently. Yeah. It would later be determined that she um, had also been sexually assaulted after death as some of the other victims had been oh no so again like all of these were going under the radar as like not murders accidents and- as accidental deaths or um medical complications and all this stuff so this is all russell it's just he's doing it in such a way that and it looks like an accident it every looks time like an accident which is crazy yeah like honestly it's insane like the way he could strangle somebody so meticulously yeah and like delicately (laughs) to then make it seem like they suffocated in their sleep that's yeah 
which is okay, so either creepy. he was very careful and really good at what he was doing or all of these people that are doing autopsies are really bad at their jobs one or the other one or the other or maybe a combination of both but like it, it <laughs> not to call anybody out but like come on <laughs> it is noted that he yeah it wasn't a typical strangling like it was very slow and it was very controlled well it was very controlled because again if there were marks on their neck then that would be alarming right but none of that is mentioned so it just must be that he's doing it in such a way that he's not leaving any marks and he's yeah. not really leaving any evidence so up until this point the police in london and guelph have no idea that there's another serial killer on the loose and they're like again, oh shit we got our hands full already yeah there's christian mcgee and strathroy yeah and london area and now russell johnson but again they don't they don't know there's about no, him like suspicion so on new year's eve um of 1974 okay so it's, it's about to be 1975 yeah. but it's new year's eve i had to do the math um, for a second <laughs> We find uh, Diane Beats. I think that's how you pr- would pronounce it. Um, Diane Beats was a 23-year-old Guelph resident who had just gotten engaged to her boyfriend the night before New Year's oh, Eve. No, um, and she had also apparently received a delivery uh, of a bouquet of flowers less than a week before from an unknown person. Okay, creepy. Yeah. Um, so at 6:15 a.m. on December 31st, 1974, so like New Year's Eve in the morning. Yeah. Diane's new fiance, James Britton, left the apartment to go to work in Mississauga. Um, Diane was on vacation from her job at Cable 8 Television in Guelph and apparently intended to do laundry that day and just like do things about the house. Uh, when James returned home from work that night, he discovered Diane's naked body in the bedroom with her bra around her neck and her hands bound behind her back with nylon. Hmm. The autopsy put her time of death at around 2 p.m. in the afternoon. And showed evidence of sexual assault post-mortem. So the evidence of the murder indicates likely the first time that Russell truly lost control. Yeah. Because this isn't well-staged, obviously, in the way that he had normally done it. clean and meticulous. And it's very obviously a murder. Yeah. So um, he, basically, the police in Guelph not necessarily know that there's a serial killer but they know that there is there has been a murder right there has been a murder (laughs) i figured you'd like that (laughs) (laughs) you have to you know reference the office every now and then right (laughs) every episode i mean i hope yeah hope so we should do that we should going forward this sun is killing me that's why i keep moving around in case you're wondering what's happening yeah but it's just like bobbing around while i'm just like trying to talk just her pop filters flying everywhere i'm being very distracting (laughs) and drew's gonna be like what's all with all the noise on the mic it's just me like trying to get comfortable without having my eyes blasted out of my head (laughs) all right i'm so sorry continue oh i know i oh i just wiped (laughs) i just swiped it so um where was i i'm so sorry oh there has been a murder (laughs) thank you i hope that helped (laughs) it did it did so um so his obviously russell's like loss of control in this particular murder may explain why after he murdered diane he actually called the police himself to report that his car had been broken into so i guess he had parked his car like a couple of blocks away from the apartment (laughs) from the crime scene yeah and like he thought that if he called the police and said that his car had been broken into that it would sort of like act as some sort of 
diversion, I guess. Okay, sure. I, I, okay. I, don't, I don't know. But I'll, I'll give him that for right now. He, he, that's what he did after. He called the police, said his car had been broken into. Um, so this was his first victim to go on the books as a homicide officially. Um, but again, the police didn't realize at this point that he was that they were dealing with a serial offender. Um, what they did realize, though, is that there was no sign of forced entry. In his vehicle? No, in the apartment. Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what happened with the vehicle investigation. Oh, that's just sure, a story. Sure they came and they were like, you smashed your own window. Yeah, you did this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was, yeah, there was no sign of forced entry, but the balcony door was unlocked. Hmm. So they were kind of left to assume, maybe, or wonder if the intruder had scaled the building and come in through the balcony. Oh, the balcony strangler. Is that what we were talking about in Vancouver? Yes. <laughs> Is this that? Yes. Okay. I gave you a preview of this yes. and I was like, this guy. Um, and, oh, and then we kept joking about it the whole trip. <laughs> yes. This is. The, we finally come to the balcony strangler. Oh, man. Okay. All right. This is it. I totally forgot. Yeah. So in April 1977. So we're over two years later. Whoa. Yeah, he's had a, like a lot of cooling off periods, but I wonder if it's because the like the last one went messy. Went messy, I think probably. Yeah. yeah. Um so 23-year-old Luella George was working at the snack counter at Victoria Hospital in London. Also Luella, beautiful name. Oh, great name. I know once an episode we got a Luella George, great like, name. Yeah. There's another good name in this one too. Fuck yeah, yeah, I love a good name. She um I guess had moved to London less than a year prior and was newly engaged. Aww. All of these girls had like such hopeful things I on the rise know. and it's so like, fuck off. Like so quit killing. Like, just quit killing. Just quit it. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Just let them like. Let them do their shit. Be like, engaged and get married and have a Being engaged life. working at the fucking hospital. Like just get, let her do her thing. Yeah. Fuck. So she, Luella was discovered in her top floor apartment. So I looked this up. So I guess her apartment building was four stories. So it was like a small one, but she was on the top floor the fourth story she was discovered by a co-worker after not showing up to work across the street at the hospital um and like many of russell's first victims mm -hmm. she was found tucked in and seemingly peacefully asleep but had been strangled and sexually assaulted post-mortem um but i guess i think what was implied is that it maybe would have gone looking more like an accidental death but he took a pair of her underwear as a souvenir hmm. because I guess he just like couldn't help himself. And I don't understand that part. And um, her underwear was discovered in a garbage can a few blocks away, which then immediately Who finds these things. I honestly was thinking the same thing. I was like, if I saw a pair of underwear in the garbage, I wouldn't. I wouldn't in like an alleyway. It. I wouldn't be like, "Hey, uh, are you guys looking for a pair of like white underwear yeah, with flowers I on them. it?" Like, it smells like it might be from the girl from. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how. Yeah. But obviously, there must have been something with with the like her death that maybe prompted them to search the area. Yeah. But I don't like know. Like a few blocks away. Like, well, this is what I always wonder. Like when I'm driving, I'll see like a shoe on the side of the road. And I'm like, do I call the police? Yeah, I know. Do I leave it? Like, I don't know. I found a shoe. And then they're like, we don't give <laughs> a flying like, fuck. Okay, cool. Like, <laughs> but then it could be like one of those things where like in 10 years, another true crime podcast is like, and then Becky Klosko found a shoe and it tied it to so-and-so. Probably not. That would never happen, right? <laughs> 
Well, whoever did it, someone found her underwear. And they immediately thought this was suspicious because they're like, well, she just died. And then her underwear is found in a trash can a few blocks away. So whatever it was that made it seem suspicious to them, they were suspicious, mm-hmm. which is good because it wasn't an accidental death. Yeah, clearly. Um, and it prompted them to do, I guess, a more thorough autopsy. Mm-hmm. So that might answer your question before, like maybe the other autopsies, not that they were not done properly, but maybe they just weren't super in depth because yeah. it was just assumed that they passed away in their sleep for some yeah. reason. And okay. if you start the autopsy and you seem to figure out what you think could have done it, you probably stop. Then you just stop there, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Like that, that would make sense to me, I mm-hmm. guess. But they did a more thorough autopsy on Luella and it revealed that she had, uh, she had been strangled, but in a manner that was so slow and delicate that it could have easily been labeled a suffocation of sorts like the others. Wow. So again, I think that's probably pretty alarming, but I, I don't necessarily think anyone was connecting things at this point because yeah. the mur- the previous murder of uh, Diane Beats was in Guelph and Luella was in London. Right. And so, it takes a while, like, jurisdictionally to And this is the 70s. Yeah. So, yeah, they're not talking. They're really. having pissing competitions. Not, yeah. not yet. <laughs> um, so considering there was no sign of forced entry again, like Diane Beats's murder, it was apparent that the intruder had scaled the building up to Luella's fourth floor apartment. Also, I'd like to know who, who's able to scale a building without being noticed from like street walkers or neighbors. Russell Johnson. He's got to be doing it fast. Many times. But it's like, yeah. fuck man, scaling a building is like not I know, easy. I know. I've thought about this. I'm like, what if I just looked over at a, like another apartment building next to mine and just saw some dude climbing it? Oh, I'd be calling the cops immediately. Well, of course. But like, I mean, I guess he did it at night and maybe just chose buildings that weren't like, maybe they weren't frontward facing. Maybe they were like covered by trees or something or, yeah. so you wouldn't see it unless you were, I don't know. I guess. I have no idea, but he, he got away with it for a long time. Um, so, but at this yeah. point, London police were like, again, they didn't realize they had a serial offender yet, but they knew that someone had climbed into this girl's fourth floor apartment and strangled her. Yeah. So they issued a public safety warning about a nighttime predator breaking into people's apartments from the balcony. Because like we talked about in Vancouver, well, if you live on the freaking like eighth floor, you might not think you have to lock your balcony door, which is pretty normal. Like, I feel like that's normal. Yeah. I feel like, like Luke and I leave our balcony door, like, like a crack open and to their get like, address is, <laughs> <laughs> but we leave it a bit open because we get like, we need air, air at night. Like we yeah. just get really warm when we sleep. Well, like even take Allie. She leaves her freaking door wide open just for Pippin <laughs> to walk out on the balcony, like some kind of maniac. You missed it. But the entire week I was like screaming at Allie being like, Pippin is going to fall off the balcony. You got to close the door. <laughs> she was getting so mad at me. No, but I would feel like I was there for the beginning of it. Cause Allie's like, I trained her. I don't like care, not Allie. I don't care that <laughs> Allie, you trained I'm, her. I'm on your side. Do you hear me? I'm on your side. You're Gives a good me cat anxiety. Mom. Gives me anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, although Luella's autopsy showed a method of strangulation that was very hard to detect, there was still no connection made between Luella's murder and the other London murders mm-hmm. of Mary Hicks and Eleanor Hartwick. Um, and with Guelph being, again, um, you know, an hour, hour and a half east of London, the connection wasn't made to Diane Beats's murder either. Um, or 
there was someone else in Guelph. Doris Brown. That's it. Yeah. So, where am I? Here we go. Um, but still, Russell received the label of the bedroom strangler. Ooh. After this. Don't like that name. By terrified Londoners who slept with their windows closed and balconies locked through apparently a very hot summer of 1977. I, I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. If Like, honestly, even today, if someone was like, yeah, so there's some dude just like scaling people's apartment buildings and breaking in through their balcony, I would absolutely be like, we're locking it. I don't even care. I'll get the night sweats every freaking night. I, I'm not, I, I don't just need never the sleep. air. Like, <laughs> we just need to lock it. Um, Knowing me, I'd still leave it open. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I'd rather be dead than hot. <laughs> anyone who knows me knows that that's true i'd rather be dead (laughs) like the second i'm sweating you saw me this morning i took my like entire shirt off (laughs) i know i was (laughs) just just sitting in a bra i was doing that yesterday i like got really hot and i was like folding clothes and stuff i'm like i'm just gonna take my top off (laughs) (laughs) it's true like like hot flashes yeah yeah no i know no i totally get it and that's why we sleep with the window and the balcony door open (laughs) but again their addresses (laughs) (laughs) we're on the 15th floor but you know what that wouldn't have probably stopped Russell. Oh, I'll God. get to that. Okay. Because I'm like, how high did he go? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's like the big question. How high did he go? But um, between- Please tell me this ends with him like falling off of a balcony and I just being wish. like mangled. <laughs> I wish. Um, so between May and July of 1977, Russell entered the residences of three more women who lived on their own in low to mid-rise apartments. He attacked, sexually assaulted, and attempted to either strangle or suffocate all of them, but all three survived. Jeez, that's a lot of survivors to I have know. walking around. I know. And I think this is probably you. like, and he did three in like between May and July. So this is like a he's, spree. He's escalating, yeah. obviously. Um, these women were then able to give an account to the police of what happened. And then uh, later, three more reports came in of women waking up to a man standing over their bed before Fucking running back out the balcony horrifying. door. Wouldn't that be and terrifying? And then scaling downward. And then just running back out their balcony and disappearing. That's something out of a nightmare. Because, like, like if I'm in my bed and he runs away and I'm, like, probably, weird. like, paralyzed from fear. Yeah. And then he just disappears. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. I'd be like, he either climbed down the building or he flew away. <laughs> because he's, like, Knowing you, he'd be Dracula. like, he grew wings and he's in the sky. He's, like, the guy from, like, Jeepers Creepers. Oh, oh I haven't the wings. seen that in a long time. <gasps> we got to watch it. So good. Oh. I love Jeepers Creepers. That was the first horror movie I ever saw. And then, like, literally peed my pants overnight because I was so scared. It was so scared. I think that was one of the first. It wasn't the first, but it was, like, one of, probably one yeah. of the first, like, five. Because we'll, it we'll came out, it. it was like that mid two thousands, like, ugh. yeah, yeah, love oh, it. God. Oh, so, man. anyways, that's. I feel like if I, I saw him scaling down, I'd like start throwing like toasters and stuff at him. <laughs> like, you son of a bitch! <laughs> Get out of my apartment. Pouring water on him or something. <laughs> oh, boiling hot water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that'd be you really just good. said water, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, boil, boil the kettle. Scald <laughs> <Just laughs> him. Enough time. Yeah. <laughs> and then you call the police and be like, yeah, the guy with the boiling hot burns on his face. <laughs> well, at least he'd be identifiable. Yeah. Um, there were more reports of women, sorry, yes. Uh, oh no, waking up to balcony doors left open and items in their apartment being moved around. So creepy. So this obviously collection of reports accumulating, the police obviously knew they were dealing with someone who was, you know, like some sort of serial offender Mm -hmm. because he's breaking into a lot of people's apartments. Yeah. And and like multiple women are going and like telling accounts of like 
waking up and seeing a person and then sprinting to the balcony like they're starting to piece it together and three women were attacked so we obviously know he's dangerous at this point um there was also one woman who apparently had a man try to buzz her at her apartment building saying he was a police officer and this woman fucking so smart she was like she called the police station and asked if an officer officer had been called like and sent to her building and she gave the name that the man had stated like he stated his name was like i'm officer blah 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 and they were like we don't even have an officer by that name on payroll and so she badass bitch i know i love you i know and i'm like that's so smart anyone if someone just like buzzes you and they're like i'm a police officer let me in like i'm sorry like i i know that your first inkling might be to just be like, oh, okay, like they're the police. Yeah. But their authority, I gotta listen. You also have a right to, yeah, like question that. I know some people who like have those video cameras or whatever, you could ask to see their badge, but if it's just a buzzer. And also everyone has access to a fake badge. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Like realistically, if a, if a cop showed me a badge, I wouldn't know what to look for like validity. Yeah. I wouldn't either. Yeah. What was it two years ago? Either, yeah, two years ago, like, there was, like, a little notice put out for, I want to say, uh, what is it, Waterloo? Waterloo or, or um, what's the other one in between London and Cambridge? It starts with a W, not Waterloo. I, I can't remember where. Woodstock? Wo- that's it, that's it, mm. Woodstock. Woodstock area, there was, like, a little notice put out saying that, like, if someone pulls you over in an undercover police vehicle, you're to continue driving to like a well-lit area that's very public because I guess in this time frame, roughly two years ago, there was someone that was impersonating a cop trying to like sexually assault women. Oh my God. And it was like on a route that I would take when I was driving to London for work. Yeah. And Drew was like so concerned. He was like, if you see a cop, you just fucking pedal to the metal. I was like, well, I do anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> you just run away from them. They're never going to catch me. Well, I think if it's like, yeah, in a non-police vehicle, that's. Yeah. Wow. Like, that's but it was like but they like had the are, light and everything yeah, and they like, looked official. There are a lot. I see them all around town where yeah. it's like there's a light and everything and you're like, oh, that's an undercover vehicle. Yeah. So how would. I know the difference. How Exactly. So yeah, they had like put out a statement being like, yeah, just like go to a well-lit area. Like a real cop will understand why you continue driving. Maybe just put your hazards on, indicate where you're going. And if they ask you, like if it's a real cop and they're like, why'd you keep driving? You can just say because of the statement. Like, yeah, I didn't want to get murdered and assaulted on the side of the road. Like, yeah, for sure. And to be honest, like if this happened to me with like someone buzzing and saying they're a police officer and I was like, can you give me a second? I'm just going to call the police station and double check. Yeah. That like you're who you say Legit. you are. If the cop got mad at me for that, I'd be like, you're not a good fucking you're not, cop. <laughs> first of all, you're not a real cop, obviously. Like <laughs> yeah. this is clearly a ploy. <laughs> well, and this woman went back to her buzzer to say like, I'm not letting you in. And he was already gone. So, I mean, that's so the answer enough. Yes. Right. So good. So good smart instincts. that she did that. Jesus Christ. Yeah, super that's good incredible. Um, so on July 15th, 1977, Russell claimed his final victim uh donna veldboom that's a crazy name i, I like know. it i know that's like a hardcore last name i Veldboom. veldboom <gasps> i love it i know i'm legally changing my last name yeah it's great <laughs> um, oh, that's so sad fuck i hate all this i know she um she had moved to london from new brunswick damn i know like the east coasters are the nicest i know leave the east coasters alone leave everybody alone but leave the east coasters alone seriously if you if anyone who's not canadian thinks that canadians are nice like if you go to the east coast Coast, it's like 
10 times it's insane it's, it's crazy it's like it's almost annoying because like especially coming from here where everyone's just like mean you go there and you're just like what is this bullshit why is everyone smiling and why is this everyone nice fake. <laughs> what is this the truman show like <laughs> so um she had moved to london a little less than a year prior and was working as a clerk at union gas she lived in a one-bedroom apartment near to her work and was apparently always on time and punctual. Yep. So on the morning of July 16th, when she didn't show up for work, her coworkers got worried immediately and called the police. Yep. Um, the police went over to her apartment and upon entering it, discovered Donna naked in her bed. She had been strangled like the others, but this time Russell had slashed her across the chest in a panicked, Whoa. disorganized manner. That's extremely escalated. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, after strangling her, Russell had also bathed the corpse. Oh. And placed her back in her bed in a posed position. No. Mm -hmm. After this, Russell apparently stayed in the apartment even longer to polish and disinfect the entire apartment. Wow. Mm-hmm. It will come out later that apparently he cleaned a few of the apartments Fuck. that he was in, either like after murdering someone or like breaking in and just like, again, people found items missing or moved around. And like he, I that guess, takes such a like them. level head to like stay there and calmly like clean. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't out of like a, I want to get rid of the evidence type of thing. It was more of a compulsion, a compulsion. Yeah. If anybody wants to just break in and clean my apartment right now, like. <laughs> Doors unlocked. Honestly, as long as you Honestly, leave after. Just leave after. Just and don't kill me. Like just come on in. Got a couple of dishes on the go. <laughs> like really. Yeah, like I someone wouldn't just mind. breaks in and does all your dishes. You're like, oh my God. I would never report them. <laughs> you steal my underwear. I don't even care if you steal something creepy. Just do I'll my dishes. I'll pay you in underwear. <laughs> I'll pay you in like smelly socks or something. Like I got them. <laughs> um so it yeah. It, again, it was apparent that it wasn't in an attempt to like tidy up or anything, but because Russell had like literally cleaned everything, even surfaces that he wouldn't have come into contact with. Hmm. So that's how they knew they were like, okay, this guy's like compulsive. Yeah. Um, so the police took this as a sign of comfortability in and around the premises. Hmm. And this makes sense. Yeah. This, um, led police to pull records of the current tenants in the building one of the officers realized that the name Russell Maurice Johnson had also appeared on the tenants list from Luella George's apartment building. Interesting. Hmm. They, they discovered that Russell had recently separated from his wife and that he was working as a line worker at the Ford automotive plant. Okay. He was a 30 year old weightlifter obsessed with working out and constantly at the gym also can be classified as a compulsion but yeah absolutely yeah london police ended up calling down to the guelph police department to inquire about the murder of diane beats i'm assuming maybe one of them heard about it and they were mm -hmm. like this sounds similar yeah so they called to ask about it they mentioned the name russell maurice johnson as their current suspect to which the police in guelph said that um they had that name written down as someone who had called in a break-in in their car the mm. night that diane beats was murdered interesting because again he had called yeah. the police idiot. to claim a break-in you fucking idiot <laughs> you, you dumb dumb you gave them their, your real name so you silly billy <laughs> um yeah give a fake name you fucking moron well yeah, yeah. i mean here it, i am like he wasn't he wasn't afraid <laughs> i guess yeah 
the police obviously found it suspicious enough that Russell's name appeared on the tenant list of two victims and that his car was parked over two hours away from his home in London, just around the corner from Diane's apartment. The on night the of same murder, night. Yeah. Right. That's so at this point he wasn't living in Guelph. So they're like, why were you, suspicious. why were you in Guelph on that night? Um, so this led them to bringing him in for questioning on July 28th, 1977. Okay. Okay. And within minutes, Russell confessed to everything. Good. Including the crimes that the police didn't, didn't even, even know, know were murders. And they were like, yeah, we knew about those for sure. <laughs> yeah. So he He's was like, like ah, you fucking got me. So he, um, he confessed to Diane Beats, Luella George and Donna Veldboom, which is what spawned this investigation and his first four murders, the two in London, which was Mary Hicks and Eleanor Hartwick hmm. and two in Guelph, Alice Ralston and Doris Brown, which again, neither London nor Guelph police had like even thought they even were even realized were homicides. Um, he confessed, so he confessed to a total of seven murders, three in Guelph, four in London, and to attacking and sexually assaulting 10 other London women in their beds between 1969 and 1977. Wow. I read somewhere that there was a possible total of 10 murders and 17 sexual assaults. That was in, um, Guelph today. It was like one of the Guelph newspapers. So anywhere between there, I guess, Mm -hmm. maybe I'm wondering if maybe he confessed later to more. Okay. And that's where that came from. But yeah. it was, again, at least seven murders and 10 sexual assaults. Jesus Christ. And, and many, many more break-ins, yeah. right? Because there He's was lots where... He's fucking busy. Yeah. He stated that all sexual assaults in um, on the murder victims had taken place after death. He also said that he Ugh. cleaned the apartments after so the women wouldn't be mad at him. Oh, yeah. That's... Yeah, he must that's have tr- OCD. That's troubling. Yeah. Yeah. I... I true. Yeah. Yeah. He said in some cases, such as Donna Veldboom, he would lie in bed with them while they slept before he decided to kill them. Oh, creepy. And I would, don't like that at all. I know, which is terrifying. And he would often spoon with the corpses afterward. Oh, I'm going to throw up. Yeah. He also talked about how he would enter these apartments by scaling the outside of the buildings. He said that he once scaled a building up to the 15th floor. Okay. And found the door locked and then just climbed back down. Okay. And see, you were saying you're on the 15th floor. Yeah. You lock your door. I know. I know. Uh, And weren't we even at Allie's going over how easy it would be to scale hers because there was like steps in the middle or was that after you left? No, I think, I don't, I don't, I feel like that was when I was there. Yeah. And she, I think she's on the 14th floor. Which is my favorite number. Not that anybody gives a flying (laughs) fuck. I just felt necessary to... (laughs) throw that in somehow <laughs> compulsion it, it is it's it's so strange like that's part of me someone will talk about the color purple or the number 14 and i'm like i can go that oh my god that's my favorite number i'm obsessed i write it everywhere <laughs> one four one four one four he <laughs> weirdo i know i have problems like i think we've like really established that but 15 floors to climb up that's like terrifying terrifying Man, what is he tarzan like uh, that's fuck. this is like i remember back when i started thinking about doing this bleeding london series and i was listening to that podcast i told you about yes where they briefly covered these three in yeah. like a sort of like a half hour episode and michael arntfield was like uh, interviewed in it and he was saying he's like i don't know how people don't know about this guy when again he talks about how like 
there's obviously Ted Bundy and all these like this people that everyone talks about and that he's like make like a million documentaries about the same person. But and again, it's not like he's saying like, oh, these serial killers should be famous. He's just saying like, this is so strange. So strange. Been able to find this in criminology anywhere else that someone has done this, like included this in their in their level of like meticulousness. Like that's him being able to strangle. I think it was four victims without like going completely undetected because of the way he did it is creepy enough. Yeah. It amplifies it. Yes. When you find out that he climbed their buildings from the outside and climbed into their... And came in with ease. Like, yeah. Like it was nothing. Like he would just, like, just... Fuck. Like, again, I know he, they say he was obsessed with the gym. He was obviously super fit and very athletic. I got to see a picture of this dude. Because yeah. how else would you? You wouldn't be able to. Be like, able oh, to if someone that. was like, Becky, I'll give you a million dollars, climb this building. I'd be like, nah, can't. Like, <laughs> I free, can't even walk up the stairs. Climbing. Like, it's not like he's got like, a harness or anything. <laughs> it's a free climb, guys, okay? Like, this is like a whole <laughs> separate you sport. rock climbers? I don't know. I mean, try an apartment building. If it doesn't sound don't, like don't, it would be we, that We're not encouraging people to do this. We're going to get like a lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh I my mean, God. I yeah. get winded going up the stairs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you saw me today. We came up the stairs. All I did was carry a laptop and I was sweating. <laughs> no. Give yourself more credit than that. We carried up chairs. Oh, that's why I was sweating. Okay, yeah. I was like, was I truly sweating? Over <laughs> we both <laughs> carried up chairs. You to didn't this break a sweat room. though. I was dripping. You saw me. Well, you just couldn't see my sweat. Okay, but you could <laughs> see mine. It was like pouring out of every crevice. Like, <laughs> well, we were both breathing pretty heavily, and we're like, <gasps> we both just kept being like, okay, just give me a minute. <laughs> like, okay, to be fair, the gyms have been closed, and I've been like really out of shape. Like, I was for a you little while. You should climb the house or something. That's what Russell did. No, I'm using this as my excuse to just be a lazy fat ass again. <laughs> like, but I swear, the second the gyms open back up, here we freaking go. Oh, what was the song? Let's get down. Let's get down to business. Shut up. <laughs> I haven't sang yet. Oh, I didn't even sing in the last one. Oh, shoot. Fuck. Okay. I'm going to plan my songs for the next episodes. I've got I thought you were going to say you are going to like get Drew to edit it in or something. <laughs> I record a song and have him like really just slip it in somewhere. And like, like somewhere inappropriate. Wherever it feels natural. Yeah. <laughs> Just throw it in. <laughs> so um, apparently uh, I found an article in the Windsor Star that stated that this particular investigation, like once they figured out that they were dealing with a murderer, yeah, um, it led to over $30,000 in taxpayers' money in overtime for the police, oh, which would be equivalent to $137,000 today. That's, that's quite the inflation, Jesus yeah. Christ. So they used a lot of manpower finding this guy. But again, he was caught. He confessed immediately. Russell pled not guilty to the murders of Diane Beats, Luella George, and Donna Veldboom. And on February 1st, 1978, he is found not guilty by reason of insanity. What? Mm-hmm. Remember, no. That? I mean, this is 1978. So, and My also... My stomach made a noise I'm going, at that. It I was know. like... <laughs> and I'm going to remind you that this is almost immediately after is also... Yeah, because they had like a very close timeline. Yeah. Yes, by reason but, of insanity. Okay. So please same, tell me they're like locked up together. They are. <gasps> Plot twist. Yeah, and I believe both of them are still alive. Actually, oh. um, in the Windsor Star, it said the jury took only two hours to deliberate. Damn, that's quick. Yeah, and Mister, it said Mister Justice Douglas Carruthers 
Do you call a judge Mister? I feel like that's not the appropriate. No, but his name's Justice. Like the the. I don't know why they would say Mister first. It should just be Justice Carruthers, but. Interesting. Anyways, the judge. The judge. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, I just feel like that's not right. I do, but anyways, not it was in the Winter Stars. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like the Mr. Dampens Justice. Yeah, it does. Like, it really Doesn't dampens it? it, where it's just like, okay, you went like. A Mr. Justice. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. <laughs> um, he said that the jury could not, quote, the jury could not have reached any other verdict in the face of the evidence, end quote. So, okay. Okay. I guess. Yeah. Um, get another jury cause <laughs> he guilty. Russell was sent to the Oak Ridge facility in the maximum security wing of the waypoint center for mental health in Penetanguishene, Ontario, Okay, which is where Christian McGee or the mad slasher was also sent just months before. That place is busy. Yeah. In an article from, the Kitchener Waterloo record, a psychiatrist at the Penetanguishene facility stated that they have, quote, a very conservative release program. As long as they're dangerous, they stay here, end quote. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Um, as mentioned before, Christian would often speak to anyone who would listen to him and would sit for interviews, but Russell preferred to keep a low profile. He, oh, did he from scaling fucking buildings? <laughs> like the hulk (laughs) didn't want to talk about it although he was like willing to confess and just tell them everything immediately yeah he also sent in applications to be transferred to a medium security facility but they had been denied as um christian mcgee's were as well yeah well if they're dangerous they stay there exactly (laughs) um in 2005 russell was put on lupron which is have you heard of this before no um it's a drug designed to lower testosterone levels and therefore oh. reduce sexualized thinking in people with deviant sexual disorders. Interesting. Um, it's described basically as like chemical castration, if you've ever yes. heard of that. Yes. It was originally created for patients with testicular cancer, I guess. Oh. But it's now being tested on sexual psychopaths in an attempt to curb sexual desires and reduce recidivism rates, usually in combination with some form of therapy. Like some of the studies I looked yeah. at said they, they were doing this with in combination with cbt or some sort of group therapy i feel like yeah it would have to be because those thoughts would still be there you can't just like eliminate no yeah with medication which leads me back to when russell johnson admitted himself yeah and then they just put him on medication and sent him on his way because it clearly didn't help then no and i don't think it was lupron but like it was just they they were probably just like here's some antidepressants have fun yeah yeah so but I when I when I first searched it up because I was like, well, I just want to see what's going on with I have heard of chemical castration, mm-hmm. um, but like, where are we today? And the first article that came up, like the first, it was a journal article, and it was published in 2019. Um, it came out of Toronto in collaboration with Correctional Services Canada, Providence Care Kingston, John Jay College of Criminal Justice in in New York, and the Waypoint Center for mental health care and penetanguishing. So the place that they are in right now was part of this study. And it revealed that sex offenders receiving Lupron in combination with CBT were at significantly higher risk of recidivism and higher risk of being diagnosed with a paraphilia compared to the group of sex offenders who were only receiving CBT, Hmm. which is cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, For those, yeah. For anyone, sorry, who doesn't know that. But 
which is just very interesting because there are other psychiatrists that are advocating that this drug could be useful in again reducing sexual desires but, but this it, particular study said it did the opposite so yeah and i what, don't know and i'm someone who like if the evidence is there the evidence is there like it's well and i, I haven't looked at all i think that most of the studies have shown that it it, it works in a certain way but this hmm. one was just done in 2019 oh interesting so, so we got more to it's, do it's a more recent one yeah and it showed it's, I, I would, to say the least, it's probably just conflicting results mm-hmm. between studies and everything. The research is probably undecided. But yeah. again, like you said, I don't think we're ever going to get to a point where sex offenders can just be like dealt with via medication. No. Like that's just not. I don't think we'll ever, yeah, no, I don't think that's going to happen, at least not in our lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Michael Arntfield in the book, he also points out that Russell Johnson is likely one of the first documented offenders to demonstrate mechanophilia or a sexual fixation on machines and repetitive devices as a preparatory paraphilia. So, uh, if any of you remember back when I started this series, Michael Arntfield talks about preparatory paraphilias, which are sort of like lesser, less severe paraphilias, but still not deemed yeah conventional Mm -hmm. that lead to attack paraphilias yes which are the more aggressive ones like necrophilia or things like that so apparently mechanophilia is um a preparatory paraphilia and is often associated with necrophilia (laughs) russell's occupation and leisure activities um as like he worked on the assembly line and he was around a lot of gym equipment (laughs) I guess proved as possible evidence for this mechanophilia, um, since, um, which has since been strongly linked with necrophilia, which Russell demonstrated obviously once he escalated his tendencies and preferences and he admitted yeah. to assaulting post, after the fact, yeah, yeah. postmortem assault. And again, just like for lack of a better word, like cuddling with the corpses, you yeah, know, some kind of desire for them. Like it's, Oh, so strange. It's, it's very interesting. weird. Like, yeah. And, and I don't think mechanophilia is uh, investigated or talked about in yeah. depth at all because I can't find very much on it. Michael Arnfield in the book talks about how Jeffrey Dahmer apparently hmm. also had this paraphilia. He also worked on an assembly line at a, a factory, chocolate factory, yeah. right? And so, but I, I like it, even when you Google like Jeffrey Dom or mechanophilia, like nothing really comes up. No. I don't think that people really recognize it as much where yeah, it's as like a legitimate think, link. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Arntfield's trying to point out that it is a, a preparatory yeah. paraphilia. So if someone demonstrates that again, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to escalate, but, but it's a it's, help to like the, recognize early. And, yeah. It could be a warning sign. Yeah. But it seems hard to. To, to me, prove. it seems very difficult to prove. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, so you work on the assembly line. Ah, but yeah, like, gotcha. <laughs> it would have to be something like Christian McGee, where when the guy was saying that when he was picking up roadkill and he was like, he enjoyed Loved it a it. lot more yeah. than anyone else that had yeah. ever worked for it's me. Like, like oh, I wonder. He caresses all the buttons. And then... <laughs> oh my God, it's like, yeah. When I was Googling too, like all these articles were coming up, people who've like had sex with their car and shit. And I'm like, oh, oh see, I like man. heard about that once with. <laughs> And I was just like, that's difficult. How do you do that? <laughs> I got to know. Oh, man. You're getting some weird stuff, I guess. Just researching these cases. Yeah. I probably have like yarnophilia because I just like touch all of the yarn all the time. I'll like grab it and like rub it across my cheek. <laughs> that's me, you though. weirdo. 
I also have Oscarphilia where I'm like, I just pet him. I do the same thing. I hold him and press him across my cheek because it's just like, feels so good. I mean, yeah, it's, you're probably not the only dog owner that does no. that. <laughs> um, in 2019, Russell applied for leniency but was denied as he feels he is, quote, fine and does not need to change. Okay, so that's a red flag because mm-hmm. if you think you're fine and you've murdered a bunch of people and He's scaled fine. 15 floors, He's fine. you're not fine. Uh, psychiatrists at the facility, as uh, well as Michael Arnfield in his book, describe Russell as a sexual sadist, a lust murderer, and a necrophile. And again, in the book, um, Arnfield feels pretty confident. I mentioned this in Christian McGee's case that if they both hadn't have gone to the Oak Ridge facility, that they would have been released they would have been released and they would have been roaming the streets probably to this day okay that's actually terrifying so it's one of those things where yeah like i know a lot of um cases went to you know not guilty by reason of insanity but it sometimes worked out it seems like and this we have heard this in true crime and things like that where it's obviously a lot harder to get that now like an ncr but a lot of people say that you almost don't want it Mm -hmm. because you almost you might never like get out whereas the prison the way the prison system is set up yeah you usually unless again it's just like maybe not people like this but you might have the opportunity to apply for parole yeah whereas if you're in a facility like this like the guy said that i quoted earlier he's like if if they're deemed dangerous they stay here yeah so i mean that's good i guess I, I don't think it's good for when I, I like can't someone imagine that, is actually guilty. Yeah. I can't imagine this facility would be any more comfortable than prison. Like it, no. I'm, I'm just picturing it as a, it's a maximum security facility. I don't think it's any, I think they're probably pretty so, relative to like, one another. Yeah. In my mind, they went to prison. Like, oh, yeah. it, you know, they can't just, at least they're off the streets. Like, they can't just walk around free. Yeah. So, so yeah, they're, they're both still in there together. I don't know if they're buddies or not, but I'm curious, but they're probably they, buddies that's they're still yeah they're both still alive today and Hmm. just very interesting yeah very interesting especially just like again they kind of operated around like this right around the same time they were both caught very close together like almost days apart (laughs) i feel like if i was on the police force at that point i'd be like what the fuck is going on what's in the water guys (laughs) (laughs) yeah and again this guy just wow just he must be huge well, I don't know. When I Google pictures of him, it only comes up with his face, but oh. he doesn't look like someone who the could rock, scale, you know. Like, <laughs> just see Dwayne Johnson just like, climbing up your apartment building. <laughs> He'd really just turn around, smile, like wave at you. Yeah, and you'd be like, "All right, keep on going." <laughs> <laughs> oh it's just God. his new workout that he's doing. Yeah, yeah. So that's Russell Maurice Johnson. That was really interesting. Yeah. Thank you for doing that one. I like that one. Of course, I mean, I didn't yeah. like what happened, but whenever i'm like yeah that was great i loved it it's like you know what i mean well the more i get into these cases that are like close local, to home yeah very local the more i want to be like i don't know has anyone heard of this i mean we weren't alive at this time but my parents yeah. or anyone else like does anyone yeah remember these like public warnings of a balcony i'm gonna intruder? have to talk to my parents too because yeah like i just feel like I'm surprised I haven't heard about it. Yeah. Uh, my mother-in-law actually gave me a good suggestion for a new market case about like a disappearance. So I'm going to do that one at some point. Oh, yeah. Um, and then we got a patron request about a Toronto disappearance. Okay. So we've got some local stuff coming up. All right. All yeah. Right. But yeah, I want to know about like family members or friends from 
that time frame from before we were born if yeah. if they know because if anyone like we i know we have a decent amount of listeners in the london area so i mean like ask your parents or your aunts or uncles or whoever might have been or if you were like, around, alive like, at that time yeah. yeah or if you were like we yeah we, we have listeners from all age ranges i'm curious yeah. to know if anyone so if anyone knows about this or remembers what it was like or what was being reported just yeah like i'm so curious just reach out let us know or, yeah. or did you have no idea because because i know that's, that's scary <laughs> i know that's a big theme in murder city is he's saying like people had no there clue. was so much going on there were so many offenders there were so many Sounds people like going it. missing and and turning up dead or never being found again Ugh, scary. in such a short period of time that um but he was like it would just wasn't there wasn't this like mass hysteria that you would have mm-hmm. expected yeah. like the summer of sam when yeah. son of sam was yes operating and or everyone like was even like the night stalker cutting their hair and the night stalker yeah. and everything where he's like there just wasn't that like people were people were out buying if, guns and like boarding up their windows and stuff yeah like, like it's obviously if people knew about all these things they were afraid but it wasn't it just didn't seem like it was being, it didn't reach mass hysteria yeah for sure because i feel like we would have grown up hearing about it yeah absolutely like oh yeah that like couple yeah. of decades were like everyone just was shot their pants died. yeah <laughs> just we all died everyone, <laughs> everyone died but yeah i don't know it's Nuts. just fascinating to me that this occurred in our hometown like years before us yeah and it's just like yeah it's crazy mm-hmm. i don't know guys let, let us know what you think do we, i mean yeah the bedroom strangler does that freak you out as much as it freaks us out because yeah. that's terrifying well, like and after thing, you had told us that and then i slept in Allie's room with like the window like the entire <laughs> size of her wall i was just like drew you have to sleep closer to the window <laughs> just in case well the thing for me is that i mean yeah this occurred in the 70s but it doesn't mean that it wouldn't happen happen now now. that's the thing is like i think that's what kind of like sensationalizes a lot of true crime is like a lot of it's from the past so it's really easy for us to all be like oh what a fascinating story and then live about our days like living caution free Mm -hmm. when it's like this shit happens on like a regular basis like my all the, the time the next episode i'm doing like not to give it all away but it's like it happens currently like i googled like the recent stats on what the next case is and it's just like People think that it only happened like 30 years ago mm-hmm. and it doesn't happen anymore. It's gotten worse, guys. Like, no, yeah, crime happens every day. <laughs> it's true. Well, um, Mike, our yes. friend's husband, who's who texts like, us in, <laughs> who, who messages us on Patreon all the time. And he's he, obsessed. I love it. <laughs> he was saying that, um, well, there was a couple of things he asked us. He, he, he asked us if we could cover some like, uh like survival slash like escape I have stories some really good ones up my yeah. sleeve i, I meant like, to reply but you were dealing with him so he's dealing with him yeah. <laughs> it's okay mike we don't have to deal with you yeah we're like ah oh, <laughs> you're on mike watch this week no, i'm kidding um <laughs> he, he first of all brought that up because he's like it's how to not get killed so like could you cover some yeah where like people got away and he gave an example so i won't say it because i think that's a good one yes. we'll cover that but he also said that there was and i don't remember the name of the guy but he said there's a guy who has a theory about why in the next couple of decades he feels that serial oh peter vronsky peter vronsky who there we wrote go. helter skelter i'm pretty sure peter vronsky wrote helter skelter didn't he uh was he one of the authors one know, of the there's authors two authors the other one's like something. i could be wrong now now he might have wrote something else. I don't, yeah he might have written it. something else but um he said that he has a theory about in the next like couple of decades that there will see why like there a resurgence might be a resurgence of serial killers similar to the 70s 
And I was like, that's terrifying. I need to look into that because I mean, if it's going to happen, I want to be ahead of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm very curious to, to hear what his theories are. And obviously we'll discuss them on here for you guys, but. Sorry, no, it wasn't Helter Skelter. That was a different author, but um, it was a different book that I was thinking of. He's an uh, author. Yeah. Yeah. He's, He's a, a Canadian writer. author, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll look into that for you guys and yeah. let you know what we find out. Cause that might be another, like maybe a whole episode to cover and discuss, but yeah, that's, yeah, I think you're right. I think that there was obviously between the sixties and the eighties, we know there was all these very, uh, the big yeah. hitters, right. That we all talk Ed about Kemper, Ted Bundy, B- like BTK, everything. Right. So we think about that time as like past and that there aren't people like that anymore, but there so are, there are. And, and that's actually what Mike brought up too. He's like, could you like do some research into like how do we know how many serial killers there are operating right now in north america because i know if you google it usually it's like it's something like 2000 or something like that (laughs) it's it's a lot it's crazy again as far as the population goes it's not a lot of the population is but when you think about that number and when you think think about how many lives they're taking it's a big number yeah and it's happening right now yeah nobody is safe you're not doors this is how to not get killed. Lock your fucking doors. <laughs> okay, yes. How to not get killed. Tip. Here, tip number one. For this episode. Don't kill people. Oh, well, yeah. I also was just going to say lock your balcony. <laughs> lock your balcony. But also, just don't kill people. I think that should be like the ultimate tip because it's like, we can take all the measures we want. Shit could still happen to you. Like if someone's determined to kill you, they're going to kill you. So maybe just don't kill people. That's that's my tip. <laughs> Yours is lock your balcony. Mine's don't be killing people. <laughs> fair enough right that's just yeah yeah i hope you changed someone's life someone's life today i hope i hope someone (laughs) listening was like you know what now i'm not gonna kill somebody oh my god becky told me not right honestly that would be like the coolest thing if i turned someone from like being a killer into just being like you know what no not for me i mean you'd never really know i'd never know (laughs) yeah All right, I gotta go put sun sunglasses on or something. Becky's <laughs> struggling, struggling with this sunlight. This light is beaming me up. I'm getting abducted by aliens. It's the chatter. <laughs> All right. All well, right. Thank you for an incredible episode, Haley. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, sign up to be super cool and join our cult of extremely awesome people who love true crime at www.patreon.com slash how to not get killed. And if you ever want to chat and connect with us, you can send us an email to howtonotgetkilled at gmail.com. Or you can DM us or comment on our posts on Instagram at howtonotgetkilled. And you can follow us on Twitter at h2ngk. And you can check out our website and and shop our merch at www.howtonotgetkilled.com. Thanks for listening. Yeah. And keep it sleazy. And lock your balconies. And lock your... And don't kill people. Bye. Bye.